here at, oh yeah, I'm on staff here at Sierra Bible Church. Um, if you're new to visiting us this morning, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Um, if you want some information about our church, you should be able to find that in the seat pocket in front of you. Um, Announcements-wise that we've got for you, I don't know if anybody in here has a high school senior that is graduating this year, but if you do or if you know somebody who does, we are going to be hosting a baccalaureate celebration for them, and that's going to be next Sunday evening, June 4th at 5.30. So spread the word if you know anybody graduating from high school. We'd love to honor them in that way. Um, we also have our church cleanup day coming up next Saturday. That's going to be here, obviously, because we are cleaning up this church. Um, lunch will be provided. There is a sign-up sheet for that. It won't be online. We're going back old school for that. We do have a physical paper you can sign up for. Um, and that'll be 8 a.m. this coming Saturday, June 3rd. And then also the week following that, we have a worship and prayer night um, that Mick Dero and a team has been heading up next door on Thursday nights. But we're just going to get all together in here and just do a time of worship and prayer together as a whole church. That's going to be Thursday, June 8th at 6 p.m. And then as we're coming up on a new month, it's almost June. 2023 is almost half over. That's so crazy. Um, we have our ladies' night, and that's the first Monday of each month, so that'll be on June 5th from 6 to 8 p.m., and you can register for that on the app. It's a super easy sign-up just so we can get a head count of who's going to be there, and that's all I've got for you. I'm going to invite Miss Abby Casey up here, and she's going to tell you guys a little bit about what's going on with the Children's Church moving on up. Hi. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm the Children's Church Director next door, so I just wanted to give you a quick announcement about what's happening um, with our program, and that is that we have our Promotion Sunday on June 11th. So all of our kids are going to be moving up to the next grade. So whatever grade they are going to be starting in the fall, they get to move up to that class. So we have, we have it broken up into three different classes next door. We have three-year-olds through kindergarten, first and second grade, and third through fifth grade. So for a lot of kids, they're going to be staying in the same class, but uh, many of them are going to be moving on up to the next grade, which means new class, new teacher. So we wanted to let you know that that's going to happen June 11th. And the other thing that I wanted to share is that this is a really good time for parents to get to know some of the teachers that are over there. One of the things that teachers have shared with me is that they really want to get to know families. They love teaching kids in the classrooms, and they love teaching the word. We have a wonderful team over there, if you have not met many of them. Um, but they, they really want to get to know the families. They feel like they're getting to know the kids, and they love it, but they want to support families also. So this is a really good chance um, just over the next month or two, especially if your child is starting in a new class in a new grade, um, just to introduce yourself. Introduce yourself to the teachers. Um, there are many of them because the way that we do it is that um, most teachers serve once a month, so they're kind of on a rotation, so you will see many different people over there. So I would just encourage you to take the time to introduce yourself to all of them and get to know who's spending time with your kids next door. Um, that's all. All right, here's Pastor Brad. Thank you. Good morning, good morning. It's nice to see you. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and 
Uh, hopefully we have a few gentlemen back here that can hand a Bible. Ladies, you guys can hand a Bible out too, no worries. Uh, but if you don't, raise your hand. Uh, before we dive into the Word, I have a quick uh, update for you guys. If you look back here, you're like, why is there a war horse on our worship stage this week? This is actually the theme of our VBS this year. It's called Keepers of the Kingdom. And just to kind of give you an update, Marley was up here, and I've been heading up VBS probably for the last six, seven years. And this year, I'm actually handing that off to Marley. And so, yeah, I'll give her a round of applause. She's been doing it. She's been doing a great job at organizing everything, and I also wanted to give a shout-out to our art team. If you guys didn't know, we have an art team here um, led up by Jim Mathias. He's also, yeah, woohoo, Jim Mathias. Um, all the art that you see displayed on our backboards and our foyer next door, um, him and the rest of the team do an amazing job at doing that. I mean, look at that. That is an awesome horse, right? So I just wanted to give a shout-out to them and just say thank you for all the hard work that they put into that. If you have art talents talk to me. I want, want to introduce you to Jim and uh, get you on board to use those talents for the Lord. But with that said, July 10th through the 13th, we need some volunteers. Um, we need people to, to teach the Bible to these kids. We need people to um, put their arms around them and have fun and run around in this, this sanctuary and, and serve them food and water. Um, if you are available, we would love to have you. Um, it's nine o'clock in the morning till 1230 in the afternoon. With that said, let's stand together. We're going to read God's word. We're going to dive in and continue in our series in Ephesians. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, Jesse wanted me to mention, um, he didn't finish chapter 1 last week. He's going to end up going back next week and kind of finishing up those things. But just as our schedule had lined out, we are landing in chapter 2 today. We're going to read 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in the work, now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in his mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Heavenly Father, uh, some deep passages that we're going to cover today. Holy Spirit, will you bring the remembrance of Scripture? Will you teach us more, draw us in, help us to take our mind captive under the obedience of Christ, our thoughts? Lord, we, we sit under the authority of your word now. Lord, knowing that faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word, may you teach us and grow us. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, you may have a seat. So the title of this message is, is really questioning, who are you? I don't know if any of you have ever been to um, a carnival or um, a fair where you walk into the funny house and you have the mirrors that are everywhere and some make you look really skinny, some make you look kind of distorted, 
maybe a little more like a pear. This is the picture I want you to see today, that, that we're going to look at two different mirrors. This passage can go in many different directions, but what I want you to focus on today is the mirror of who you were and who you are. As we dive in here, I would like to read a quote from you from Paul Tripp as we look at this idea of mirrors. It says, stop looking at yourself in carnival mirrors. The normal human struggle is to look for identity horizontally when I have been hardwired by God to get it vertically. I look for something in creation to define who I am, whether that is a marriage or my work, my athletic body, or whatever it is. I'm sure we all can resonate with that. In many ways, we try to find our identity in really anything and everything but Jesus. And this is where we're going to pick up, and let's read verses 1 and 2 together again. And this is defining the mirror of who we were. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at the work in the sons of disobedience. So in your, in your, you should have got a handout. There's some things that you can kind of fill in just to kind of keep, keep you along with where I'm going. You don't have to follow along with all the verses that I have. Some people are like, man, so many times, Pastor Brad, when you're sharing, there's so many verses that you're sharing. Yes, because the word is important, and I want it to be in your heart. So as you go down that list, number one, the old self, that you are dead in your offenses, dead in your trespasses and sins. Sin, let's kind of describe these a little bit. Sin is, is where you're aiming. We're, we're aiming at this target, and we have missed the mark. Trespasses, totally different in many, many regards. It's a willful disobedience. We talk about this word dead. It comes from the Greek word nekros, literally, literally meaning a corpse, one that has breathed its last, has deceased, has departed, destitute of life. This is all of us. This is the world. The $1,000 term, million-dollar term for this is unregenerated. Romans chapter 5, we've got three passages in Romans here, which might be familiar to you as, as we read these. You're welcome to turn there. The first one, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Death came through one man. Who was that one man? Adam. Father Adam. Furthermore, Romans chapter 3, 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many? All. The whole world. The world has lessened this meaning in many ways, and many churches today won't even speak of the terms of sin anymore. Make no mistake. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, For the wages of sin is death. And there's penalty and consequences for these actions. And as we read in that first passage, and you were dead. Past tense. Okay? We're going to get to that in a moment. 
but you were dead. R.C. Sproul, one of my favorite authors and preachers, talks about it like this, that sin is cosmic treason. What I meant by that statement was that even the slightest sin that a creature commits against his creator does violence to the creator's holiness, his glory, and his righteousness. Every sin, no matter how seemingly insignificant, is an act of rebellion against the sovereign God who reigns and rules over us, and as such is an act of treason against the cosmic king. That is deep. Cosmic treason. The Hubble telescope, right, looks out in the cosmos and, it, and can kind of shoot. I don't even know how far it can shoot. Let's, let's say a million miles. Space goes on forever. Cosmic, total, complete. Sin is a debt. We have described in the scriptures as debtors who cannot pay their debt. No matter how hard we work, we can never zero out this balance. You're like, Pastor Brad, you, man, you're, you're bringing a hammer this morning. Yes, I'm a sinner. I need to get saved again. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about our old self. So that was number one. Number one being that you were dead. Number two, the second thing that what you were or what you was, something like that. Second thing, in which you once followed the course of this world. It doesn't take long to kind of maybe just turn on the news or look out and we see what the course of the world is. Destruction, war, famine, pestilence, all the things that happen in this world, murders. I mean, I can't even turn the TV on these days without covering my kids' eyes, it seems like, with all the things that are going on. The course of this world is destruction, as I said, violence, greed, selfishness, immorality, ungodliness, rebellion. Some of these lists can be described in Galatians chapter 5. You can see a whole list of how the world is described or the, the works of the flesh. The world will continue to lift up evil over good. And even the things that we find that are good, they somehow, the enemy or them, tends to distort it, to twist it. We'll take the act of marriage or, um, I don't know, we, we can have a whole list of things that the world has twisted and that the enemy and the course of this world is completely opposed to God. This was us. We once followed the course of this world. Moving on, the third example here. Following the prince of the power of the air. Well, who is the this prince. Anybody know? Satan. We can hear about descriptions of the Old Testament that a star falling like lightning. A beautiful worshiper of God in the Old Testament. But he's also described in many other ways inside this book. It says that he is a tempter. He is a liar. He is fierce. He is cruel. He is deceitful like a lion seeking to devour you and me. You may say, well, I was never a Satan worshiper. I didn't have the, that circle with the, the star in it and sacrifice chickens. I didn't pay homage to him. I say to you that there is no neutral ground. 
And that's what Paul is reiterating here. There, there is a distinct difference between the regenerated and the ungenerated. You are different than the world, and we're going to find that. One of my, uh, I can't even say it's my favorite movie, but a movie that I've seen in many times, Princess Bride. You guys have seen that, right? Um, Miracle Max. What does he say? Well, your, your buddy's not completely dead. He's almost dead. Mostly dead. Mostly dead, yes. Mostly dead. No. Paul is describing that you were fully dead in your trespasses. We were followers of the world and followers of Satan. Psalms chapter 51, verse 5, and I would like to read out of the Amplified Bible here where it kind of expounds it a little bit more because some are like, uh, as you read some versions, it will say just, I was dead in my iniquity and I was born in, in, in wickedness. Well, listen to this. It says, I was brought forth in a state of wickedness. In sin, my mother conceived me, and from my beginning, I too was sinful. As we were born into this world, we, we do not have the Spirit of God living in us. As we've read that, that from Adam all the way down till present day, every person that is born into the world is born with a sinful nature and a problem of cosmic treason. But this is the beautiful passage that I want to pivot on. Let's jump down to verse 4. It says, but God. Oh, wait, let's just pause there. But God. This, if you ever have time, which you should make time, look up this scripture throughout the whole Bible. It's actually stated over 1,300 times in 601 verses. But God, an action word. But God, and some of those things say that he led, but God came, but God delivered, but God spoke, he raised them, was with them, he drew them, he sent them, he revealed himself, he spoke, but God is faithful, but God is true, but God will redeem. Oh, well, so beautiful. That is amazing. Our God is communal. Our God is personal. Our God is a God that we can know and be known by him. Let's continue reading in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. We'll continue with our but God, being rich in mercy. May, may these tickle your ears right now. Rest upon this truth. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were, what? Dead in our trespass, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We don't have time to unpack the word justification this morning. But... In a nutshell, saying that justification is just like you never have sinned, that you've done everything perfectly. But not that while we were at our best, but while we were still sinners, Christ came and he died for us. He made us perfect. He justified you before the judge. That you're cleansed, that you're right. Two parts of justification. 
a reminder that it's the remission of sins and the imputation of Christ's righteousness on you. So the forgiveness of sins is completely cleansed you. Is that me? That's me. God imputed his righteousness to you. He's given it to you. Because of God's mercy and grace, you are seen as perfect, and through the atoning work of Christ, you are made as white as snow. We've come through one of the most epic winters of ever. We looked out at snow for the last six months. We know what that whiteness is, the fresh pow-pow. It's beautiful. That's how God sees you. We talked about those two mirrors. We're going to kind of pivot here to the second mirror. The first mirror is distorted. It's, it's, it's not clear. It shows you as, as dead and not good. And, I mean, the list can go as, as far as who you were. You can describe that for yourself. But the pivot point here now is who are you now? And there are three descriptions that we're going to find here as we move and transition on through five through seven. And it says, even when you were dead in trespasses, um, God made us alive. Made us alive together with him. That's our first point. Made us alive. So we were once dead. Now we have been reoriented. We have been recreated. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creature the old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Oh, the beauty of that. Acts chapter 16, verse 31, as we talk about how this happens, Jesse um, hit this home yet last week saying that, that faith is primary. It's faith in the Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 16, 31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. In our latter part of our verse today, in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of our own doing. It is a gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. We're new creatures, friends. Made new again. It's not simply like he just gave you a polish and said, Okay, you're good. You kind of look good, but your engine's still kind of junky. No, he recreated the engine. He recreated the body. He made you a brand new vehicle for his glory, for his purpose, for the product of faith, his regeneration. You have been made alive. What else does he say here? He says in verse 5 that we were raised, he has raised us together up with him. This is a positional word, you know, so we were once in the ground, we were once dead, we were once aliens, we were once foreign, um, but now he has made you, it's like he, he went out into the outward courts, the king went out and found the dirtiest beggar that he could find, the one that was filthy and was missing a leg, and he was a pirate, and he grabbed you, and he brought you in to the feast. And he clothed you and he cleansed you and he gave you the, the front seat. This is the biggest liberator of all time that he has given you purpose and meaning. But so many times we continue looking back into that old mirror. Thank you, Jesus, that we are no longer beggars. 
We've been singing this song, House of the Lord, the past, past year. And listen to the, the chorus of this. We were beggars. Now we are royalty. We were prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Colossians chapter 3. Let's turn there together. Just a few pages over. Colossians chapter 3, 1 and 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things of above, not on the things of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden in Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. It's beautiful. Paul kind of ties a lot of the epistles together through a lot of the same phrasings, just kind of written in a different way. But he has made us and raised us together with him. Number three. Back to our chapter two here. So he has made us alive. We see that. He has seated us, or I'm sorry, he has raised us up. Thirdly, we find that he um, sits us together in heavenly places, seated with Christ. Now, this is uh, one of those things where, where right now you're alive, you're here on earth. We're positionally seated with Christ right now in heaven. Je- Jesus is in heaven, seated on his throne, reigning. But also, this is also for the future tense that he will and we will reign with him someday. We will even judge angels and principalities, and, but more importantly that we are seated with him as royalty, as priests. Second Timothy chapter 2 kind of alludes to that, and you can read that at your own time. But what I wanted to kind of pull out here is that we are in this together. That as Christ has raised the church up, as he has raised you up, you're, no, you're not a lone soldier out here all by yourself. But we are a community, a community of believers. And he, he hits this home in, in 2 Corinthians, I believe, where it talks about the body of Christ. That you have been given gifts and talents. And some of you are a hand, and some of you are a foot, and some of you guys are, are good at art. But all for the glory of God. All one that the outside world would see that we are unified under the banner of Christ and Christ alone. For all three of these, as I mentioned earlier, they're all in past tense. You were, you was, yesterday, you know, English sometimes. You're catching what I'm throwing at you. Past tense. It is a finished work. When Jesus completed his work on the cross and raised from the dead, he knew that you'd be here today and that you would need to be a completed work. Yes, um, we have sanctification that happens from the day that you 
are saved to the day that you breathe your last, there is a sanctification process, this, this molding of this precious metal, which is you. A pulling away of the dross. Sometimes the pulling away of the onion. There's layers in our lives sometimes that, that don't go away immediately once we're saved. There's some sins that might, might echo in the background. The enemy might come and whisper in your ear, hey, let's go down this path. What we're going to call you to today is that you have purpose and that God has given you what is called self-control and that you are to mortify your sin. To not live in it, to not dabble with it, to not continue going back and putting on your, your old dead suit and, and living as if you were a beggar in jail. No. So much more than that. And this is where, where verse 7 picks up. And it says, so that, so it talks about his grace, his mercy, his love toward you. These three things, he has given these to you freely, not that you would continue living in your old self, but that you would continue living as new creatures in him. And it says in verse 7, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. It's continual. That even when we pass from here and there's thousands of ages to come in heaven, it will be resounding in heaven of God's goodness and grace and immeasurability of love toward you and the people of this world that they would be saved. This points us to our third point, that you were redeemed for a purpose. There are three points that kind of fall under this heading here. The first one is that it points to God's glory. It points to him and him alone. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7 says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. He made you for his glory. Not for your own, not to boast in yourself. We read that in, in Ephesians already. The second one for time purposes, moving on. You are an example to believers and unbelievers. As it says for the ages to come, this was written, what, 2,000 years ago or so? So there, are many, there has been many ages, even here on earth, that, that God's example of saving people would be an example to an unbelieving world that they would come to repentance. Even so, you and I are to be light and salt in this world. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Works matter, friends. Not works unto salvation. We, we read that. We can't be saved by our works. But we can't speak out of both sides of our mouth and say, oh, I believe in Jesus, but we live still like a heathen. There's an example, an example unto a dying world. Because ultimately, if the, we, we hear it all the time. What, what do the unbelievers typically say about church people? You're hypocrites. Yeah, I am a hypocrite. But I know the saving grace of God too. So like there, there is a balance in that because John says, if we say we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. We know we all fall short of the glory of God. We know that we, we, we sin on occasion. One of my mentors would state that 
You're no longer a sinner, but you're a saint that occasionally sins. And like that, I hold that dear because I'm like, Lord, like I know that I've been justified, that I've been seated on high um, and with you, but I know that I still fail. But the idea is that I'm not failing, hopefully not willfully, putting myself back in the prison and closing the door. But I'm trying to walk in what is called holiness. Peter talks about that. Be holy, for I am holy. I mean, that's, that's a hard thing to do. And we're going to find a couple areas in which we can kind of help ourselves out with that a little bit. But I want to remind you that there's a dying world that is looking at you. They see you at your work. Live by example. Live above reproach. Not unto salvation. Those aren't going to get you there. Helping grandma across the street isn't going to make that ladder any more easier. The ladder's been made. We follow Jesus because we love him and our works should reflect that. And this is where number three kind of comes in. And if we read in verse 10, going back to our passage, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Workmanship. I was looking this up today and maybe you've heard this before. But in the Greek, it talks about being like a poem, poema. Listen to this description of of how the dictionary kind of describes what a poem is. A poem is a piece of writing in which the words are chosen for their beauty and sound and are carefully arranged, often in short lines and rhyme. It speaks very much of like how God has chosen you. He's made you his trophy why? To be an example of good works, as this passage said. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Well, how do we do that? It's hard. It's a challenge. I don't know about you. I don't always want to be selfless, unconditional, loving people. But this is where number one comes in, that we walk by the Spirit. Well, how do we do that? We have the promise of the Spirit that resides in your heart. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior and that you have believed in His atoning work on the cross, one, it says that you will be saved. But two, the promise is that the Holy Spirit will come and dwell in your heart. That you have the Helper. The Holy Spirit lives in you, prays for you, intercedes for you with groanings that we don't even, can't even utter. That's what the Bible describes. Well, what I would say for you is to pray this. Pray that, that the Holy Spirit will give you what is called the fruits of the Spirit. I won't sing it for you. My kids sing it all the time because Miss Abby does a great job next door teaching them the word. But love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Pray for those things. God, give me the where with with all to, to have those flow out of me. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. We have a war. A war. Your flesh is always wanting to rear its head. Number two, meditate on the Word. 
So we've covered a multitude of things today, talking about old self and new self, and we're trying to remain in this new self and keep our eyes focused on Christ. Where's your authority? Where do we get it from? Where do we rest upon? Where do we find more about God? Why do we do Awana around here? Why do we emphasize the word of God so much? Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by his word. Meditate. David points it out in Psalm 119.11. It says, your word I have hidden in my heart or treasured, another word, or stored up, put in the secret place in my heart that I might not sin against you. Church, put this in your heart. Don't just have it up here. Put it in here. James chapter 1, verse 22 states it this way and says, Be doers of the word, not mere hearers. We're talking about works again. Works unto the world. Works unto each other, building each other up. Be doers of the word. The third point, this is one that we all can practice. We all fall in this to repent daily. Hopefully when you open your eyes in the morning, I try to make it a custom and be like, Lord, what do you have for me today? May I walk in your steps. May I be patient and kind. But when I do blow it, Lord, stir my heart to repent quickly, not to sit on on that sin, not to continue dabbling with it. John Owen states it this way, always be killing sin or it will be killing you. Your life is like a battlefield with an enemy who is always contending against you. The enemy hates your guts. He wants to bring you down. He wants to spit in your face and bring guilt and condemnation. He wants you to continue to living in the old self and not the victory of the new self that we sang of today. Christ has given you victory over these things. Stop polluting the waters of your soul. Turn away. Flee. Deny yourself. Be disciplined. Remain steadfast. Go against the grain. Paul tells us that so, there's, there's a sin that so easily ensnares us sometimes. It could be the littlest thing. Or maybe something that you think that you've overcome 20 years ago that all, all of a sudden rears its head again. You're like, whoa, where did that come from? Don't fall into the pit. Go against society. Go against the, the desires of your heart sometimes. Hopefully those desires are changing. God tells us that, that he's put a new heart within you. But sometimes that nature still comes back and says, hey, just taste this just a little. Just drop a little arsenic in your water. You're good. Say no. Battle. Put on the armor of God. Go to war. I'm in the same boat with you. I may be me sharing with you some hard words today to go against maybe something maybe you're struggling with even today. I struggle still. The old man that's been saved for 80 years still struggles. 
I remember talking with my, uh, one of my friend's grandpas once, and he was trying to disciple, you know, us young guys. We were maybe 16, 18, been walking with the Lord a long time. We pull up to a stoplight, and there's somebody that's next to him, beautiful woman. You know, he looks over, and that, that, that glare kind of just stayed there a little too long. But he used it as a teaching moment. He was like, sons, there's still that temptation that's there that, that will happen at, at times. But what's the promise that God says to you? That he'll create a way of escape. It's not the look necessarily that, that he fell into sin. It's, it's the lingering of that look. That, that That's when he fell into sin. Run. Flee. Be like Joseph. Take my clothes. I don't care. I'm out. He runs off. Flee youthful lusts. As we start to kind of wrap up here, um, number four, these good works that we try to imitate Paul and imitate Christ, we do that by serving others, living out our faith, be imitators of Christ. We serve in the community. We serve here at church. We live out our faith by service unto others. Look and see where God is at work. Ask God to open doors. When the time comes, I pray that you would be bold in proclaiming the goodness of God to others in an unbelieving world. I don't know if you guys know, as of late, I've been a yard duty at Glenshire Elementary for the past, like, six months. And um, also, you guys didn't know that we got were given like $10,000 worth of marmot gear like a couple months ago. And this lady from down in the bay called me up and said, hey, I got all this stuff. Can you give it away to people? So I decided to pack it all up and give it to all the teachers at, at the school. And um, we wrote a note from the church just saying we love you, we care for you, we pray, pray for you often. Um, but I came, came home kind of discouraged. I was like, oh, God, like, I didn't get to share the gospel. I didn't get to, to necessarily plant what I thought were seeds. And then last week, unfortunately, one of the teachers had passed. And the principal had invited me to actually sit in on the staff meeting. I was like, whoa, like, that, that's some fruit, you know, that can come. And I had to walk the line in the school district in many ways. There's been some amazing conversations this past couple of weeks that I've been able to share the gospel through, through that. Why? Because the generous donation of some lady in the bay that thought that people in Truckee needed marmot gear. You know, because I've been willing to step out and go hang out with, with kids two hours a day and little Tommy, get off the roof. Okay. <laughs> you know? And I use, I use that as the example, friends, like be willing to do something maybe to out of your comfort zone. And then through that uncomfortableness, ask God, like, God, why do you have me here? Will you open my eyes to see where you're at work? And you'll be surprised. There was a, one day I was on the playground, and I was like, Lord, I, I want to I wanna be open to sharing today. Will you show me? 
And lo and behold, the door was like swung wide open with one of my other yard duties. And I was able just to lay out the gospel with her and share with her and talk with her and, and encourage her to come to church. And she hasn't come yet, but I invited her again last week. So if you, if I see her, I'll be like, yes, her. <laughs> <laughs> From the stage right here. I'll, I'll, right there, right, right over there. I hope she does come though be praying for her. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up and as we kind of close today know that you are new in him. You're new creatures. Keep looking in the new mirror. But know again that works are the fruit, not the root. I'm going to take a phrase, a little catchphrase, put in your pocket. Fruit works are the fruit not the root so you need to decide why you're doing those works you've already been justified God sees you as perfect it's not like if I give a little more or serve a little more God's face is smiling a little bit more no like God is smiling on you already but we do these things because we love Jesus because we love people we hope that people will come to repentance for faith without works is dead. Jesus tells us that if we love, if you love me, obey my commandments. And as we close in song, um, we're going to sing this, this song called Jesus Paid It All. May we live for him in all we do, in our thoughts, our actions, our deeds, and to God be the glory. Amen? Let's stand together, friends. Savior say, thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me thine all in